We believe that when Jesus uh, does a specky, that, uh, you know, he just is faithful to his word. And uh, it says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So when he does something really, really, really good, we reckon we should just get it on record. So we're going to invite mum or Nani or Annette, whichever one you call her, um, to come and just testify what Jesus did this week for her. Hi, guys. Yeah, just wanted to um, share a healing that I've just had. It was really a miracle. There was no medical intervention. I had a, a growth in my kidney and they wanted to have another look at it day before yesterday. Yeah. And um, so the ultrasound showed up the growth and um, so I had a CT scan and um, it was gone. Yeah. So I've got the report here. It's in medical terms. The lesion that was previously seen is is not seen and that's pretty much it. And Yeah. Uh, the um, the doctor when I went to t- <laughs> to tell him just looked at me and and he hasn't looked very happy lately so I was glad to see a big smile on his face um, and he said oh well there's nothing there Annette and uh, I looked at him and he looked at me and we both smiled and he says well that's that then can't do anything for you and escorted me out the door <laughs> so yeah so I'm just really praising God because I've had a lot of healings. Um, but never something quite like this one. So it's really lifted my faith level up big time. Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you. Yeah, that was a tumour that was in her kidney that that would only be um, removed by an operation and it was a nasty thing. And uh, so mum had prayer. She's been anointing herself with oil, taking communion, praying over herself. We've been praying and other people have been praying for her. So that is no medical intervention. That is that thing dissolved, disappeared. And uh, there is no, you can't query that. that. That's a God thing. So let that build your faith. You know, we hear so much other stuff, but God is a God of his word. And, you know, it's, it's his children's bread he calls healing and miracles. It's our bread. It's what um, he says, this is what I give you. So thanks for sharing, Mum. And yeah, it's, it's good. God is good. Amen. Let's pray, hey. Father, we thank you. You're a good God, that your blessing and favour is on us. Lord, we pray today that the words will be your truth in life, that they'll stir our souls, Lord. They'll bring healing and release. They make us more like Jesus. Lord, we want to bless you. Bless your name in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to go back to something that we've probably talked about a couple of times, but I really had this sort of wrestling all week looking at what we're preaching about, and I've had about five different thoughts and gone around all of them and ended up where I've ended up. But I feel like I'm going back to something we've talked about. We, we, talk, we said this year we're going to talk about um, two things mainly. One was about financial breakthrough, that God has a financial breakthrough for us. And the other one was around evangelism. And we'll probably pick up on evangelism over the next few weeks and how to actually share your faith as we talk about where we're going as a church and 
just to remind the leaders that we have a leaders lunch today, so you need to be there because that's a bit about where we're going. Um, for those of you who, you know who you are. But as we talk about financial breakthrough, you know, we've talked about how important it is to understand that, that God is a good God, that God desires the best for us, and that words like rich are actually all the way through the Bible, that God actually desires to bless you, that he started creation with blessing and he went on with blessing all the way through. And blessing is not just a spiritual term because whatever happens in the spiritual happens in the natural. You know, salvation occurred in the spiritual before it occurred in the natural. Yeah? And it's the same with everything else. Okay? And that God actually desires to bless you because he wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be a person who changes the world around you. And it's really hard to do that if you don't have what you need to do that. Yeah? Does that make sense? Are we awake today? I know it's the first day of school holidays, you know. All that kicks in. Teachers are all sleeping. Parents are all going, yes, they have to get up so early. Or maybe they're going, no, I've got my kids now. Turn the person next to you and just, just slap them across the face. Tell them to wake up. <laughs> Some people were just too keen for that. Too keen. <laughs> <laughs> There's a marriage counselling course. No, sorry. <laughs> but often we can we can hear this stuff and it sort of just rolls in and rolls out and rolls in and rolls out and, and we sort of get used to hearing, yes, God's a good God. And then we go back to our everyday life. And I want to talk about the power of the words that we say because I think we can't go over this enough to bring the change in our lives because your words are powerful. What you hear out there in the, the self-help gurus and everything else, really they're taking biblical concepts and twisting them because it started with the Bible because your words are absolutely powerful. In fact, Proverbs says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And often we, we pray one thing and then we go and speak another thing. And the problem is that what you speak then actually undoes your prayers because we're told that when we pray, we have to believe. You have to have faith. And a great example is, is the, the story of Jairus' daughter. You know, Jairus sends his servants out to Jesus and says, will you come and, and pray for me? Heal my daughter? She's, she's on the point of death. And Jesus says, yes, I'll come. And so, so Jairus is actually there. Sorry, Jairus goes, not his servant. Jairus goes and says, come and hear my daughter. And so he's walking with Jesus to his house. And on the way, the woman with the issue of blood comes. And she reaches out and she touches Jesus and she gets healed. And Jesus stops and sort of says, who touched me? And goes through that whole, who talks to the woman. And all this time, Jairus is standing there freaking out because his daughter's dying. And it's a time-critical thing. And in the middle of all this, Jesus dealing with the women who had the issue of blood, the servants come to Jairus and say, don't trouble Jesus anymore, your daughter's dead. Now this is a really crucial point in that conversation. This is a crucial point in Jairus, because does Jairus accept the death? Or does he accept the healer? And at that point, life and death is in the power of his tongue. 
that he can start to mourn for his daughter and then faith is gone and healing does not come. But before he can say anything, Jesus turns to him and says, just keep believing. Just keep believing. And they go on their way before he can speak anything. And he goes in and Jesus heals, raises his daughter back to life. It's absolutely crucial, the words that you say. They are life and death to you. And the way that you speak over yourself, the way you speak over your finances, the way you speak over your work, the way you speak over your relationships actually have an effect. And you actually have the power to control it. In fact, the Bible says that now you are not God, but it says that we are like gods. And that's a whole other sermon. Because you're made in the image of God. And how did God create you? He spoke the word. Creation came because God spoke and it was done. That whatever he said was done. And it's the same for you. Whatever you say will be done. So if you're not happy with where your life is at, it's actually not God's fault. It's how you think and how you speak. Because you have the power to change your life. Now, this is where it gets really, really, people get upset, especially if you're from a very traditional background. Um, People get very upset with me. I've had numerous conversations when I talk about this stuff. And they start to go, you know, also it's in this self-help guru and, you know, we can have, say whatever we want. So if I say I want a Ferrari, then it's done and that's it. And, you know, I've got a Ferrari and if I want a billion dollars and live in my mansion, then that's all done and, and so on. Now, you've got to balance it out with what the Bible says. Yeah, there's actually nothing wrong with you having a Ferrari. There's nothing wrong with you having a billion dollars. There's nothing wrong with you living in a mansion. And you can have those things if that's what you really want. But that's not the purpose of what God's talking about. What he's saying is he wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And in James, he rebukes them and says, you know, you don't have because you ask with the wrong motives. In other words, it's all about you. You haven't surrendered your life to God. And surrender is a massive part of this. That you have to have God first in your life. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Yes, you make mistakes, but it's... Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Do I go down the path? No, we'll come back. All right? You can have whatever you say if you have faith for it. And yeah, I mean, I probably do need to go here because I can feel this sort of, this hanging, people hanging in the balance and going, yeah, but, yeah, but, because church tradition has said you should be poor, you should give up everything, you should lack. Because that's spiritual and piousness. That's holiness. No, it's not. 
If that was holiness, then Jesus wasn't holy. Because Jesus certainly wasn't poor. He looked after 12 guys that followed him around. He had a treasurer to do it. The treasurer was stealing from the purse and they didn't know it. Now, if there's $10 in the account and someone steals a dollar of that, you're going to notice, aren't you? Yeah? If there's a million dollars in there and someone takes a hundred, are you going to notice? Not necessarily. You see, we've, we've made, we've twisted what God's word has said. We've said it's, it's spiritual to be sick because God's disciplining us. There is nowhere in the Bible that says that. In fact, it says that by the stripes of Jesus in 1 Peter 2.24, you were healed. That Jesus actually has already given you your healing. And like Annette testified this morning, you just have to claim what's already yours. You know, in, in my family heritage, you know, through my father, my grandfather and so on, there's, there's been heart issues. And I have a choice. Do I take that or do I take my spiritual heritage? And science is now proving that you can actually zip up your natural heritage, is how they describe it. Just like it's a little pocket and things like cancer and, and heart disease and hereditary things like these, diabetes and so on, you can actually, you know, you can either accept them. If you accept them and say, this is in my family history, it's like there's a little pocket there and you unzip that pocket and you release that into your body. And you're telling your body that these things are acceptable. And it will take them on. But they've also proven the other side that if you say, no, I don't accept this, that you actually zip it up in your life and it, is no, no, it just can't be released in your body. Because your body will go, this is science has proven, your body will go where you say. Dr. Karen Leaf, switch on your brain, neurosurgeon, if you want a bit of backup on that. And from there you can keep going into the research. So I decided that I wasn't going to have diabetes, I wasn't going to have heart problems, so I zipped them up. Had a blood test a couple of weeks ago, went and saw my doctor this week. He said, you know what, your heart's absolutely fine. Your blood pressure's absolutely perfect. There's no problems, no diabetic problems whatsoever. And I go, glory to God. But I have to claim that, I have to stand on that. I have to speak that and not be worrying there but walking in faith. So you want some scripture to prove this off? Let me talk to you about Jesus and the fig tree. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20, if you have your Bible there. And it's good to have your Bible, especially when you're dealing with finances, when you're dealing with healing, because it says by what you see as well as what you hear. I feel like there's about 10 things trying to burst out of me and I'm going, yeah, yeah. I've got an hour. I don't have an hour? Okay. 50 minutes. I can negotiate with God. I don't negotiate with my wife. <laughs> Hebrews 11. 
Verse 20 says, Now in the morning as they, this has been Jesus and the disciples. Oh, sorry, Mark 11. I was wanting to see who was flowing in the spirit and able to discern what the truth is. Clearly we need to work on this now. <laughs> Mark 11. I'm sure Matthew 11 says some really good stuff too. That was my other sermon. So. Mark 11, verse 20. Now in the morning, Jesus, as they passed by and his disciples, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Oh, so let's go back to verse 12, sorry. <laughs> now the next day when they came out from Bethany, he was hungry, as in Jesus. And seeing from far off a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, what did he do? He said to it. What did he do? He spoke. He said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And disciples heard it. Now what happened to the tree right there? They're looking at it. What's it doing? It's still looking green. It's still looking full of leaves. Is there any change? There's no visible change. It's still looking like a nice healthy tree. Down to verse 20. Now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. So Peter's like, man, look what happened. This is awesome. You say there's this big tree. And you know, because fig trees aren't small trees. They're massive. If you want a context of a fig tree, in I think it's in Argentina, there's a restaurant that is actually entirely housed in the base of a fig tree. And it's one of the, in whatever this town is, I can't remember the town, but it's, it's one of the prominent restaurants of it, and the whole thing is covered over by this fig tree. That's how big a fig tree is. You can put a restaurant on the bottom of it. Oh, that or there's figs on your table because they're falling, but yeah. yeah. Whether you like it or not, you've got figs. But fig trees are big trees. It's not like this, you know, it's not like the lemon tree in my backyard. It's, it's a big tree. And one day it's green and lush. The next day it's dead and Peter's going, check out the tree. And what's Jesus' response? He says, yeah. yeah. He's not surprised. He's not even excited by it. Why? Because he knows the power of what he says. That the moment he spoke to that tree, it was done. Not when they saw it. When he spoke it, because the tree would wither from the roots up. And what did he say? He says, have faith in God. A literal translation that says, to have the faith of God. Or have a God kind of faith. In other words, believe and think like God does. When you look at a situation. He is saying to them, you can do the same things I can do. In fact, he says it later on. In fact, you'll do even more than I did because I only had three years to do it. You've got your lifetime. But have a God kind of faith. Think and see things like God sees them. And this is where we go wrong. We listen to what the world says and we believe them. And so we start to see things 
like the world sees them. And we get conditioned in a way of thinking that limits us. And this is actually where the church has got its whole poverty thing and its whole sickness thing. You see, it came out of, we're not thinking like God, we're thinking like people. And people says this, so you need to be sensible. And I hate that word. And there are some people who do need to be sensible because they go and do stupid things. You know, yesterday, we're, there was, last night, we had a massive storm here, thunder, lightning. Now, if I go dance in the backyard, that would not be sensible. Oh, God will take care of me. No, that's just stupidity. All right? But when we come to using faith, we try and get sensible. Oh, the sensible thing is to go to the doctor and have your operation and go through this massive thing and do what, take all these pills for the rest of your life. That's not sensible. Yes, do that if that's where your faith is at, but start to build your faith. To God's kind of sensible, he says, by your stripes you're healed. If if you're lacking financially, sensible is not to keep doing the same thing you've always been doing. Because it hasn't worked. You know, they've worked out that even a pig, if it goes to a trough and eats from a trough and a brick falls and hits it on the head, eventually it's going to work out that eating at that trough is going to hurt. And it'll change what it does. So if a pig can work that out, why can't we work it out? That if you're not happy with where you are in life, you need to make a change. But I'm amazed constantly how in the church we don't make a change because we say, if God wanted it, it would have happened. Well, that is not true because God's will does not always happen. And before you want to stone me, think about it. Is it God's will that anyone goes to hell? But people do. Was it God's will that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden? No. But they did. You see, we've often excused it and said, well, if it was God's will, it would have happened. No. God has a will, but he did an amazing thing when he made creation. He said to Adam and Eve, I give you all dominion and all authority. So what he was saying is, I cannot interfere unless you let me. Because God won't take that back. He doesn't twist that and go, okay, now it's you know, the other way around. And that's why Jesus had to come as a man. That he had to be fully human. Because the authority on earth was given to us. He couldn't die as God. He had to die as man. Because we have the authority here on earth. And Jesus, when he died, he took back that authority into the kingdom of God. He took back that dominion and he empowered us. That's why he told the disciples, go into all the world. He called them ambassadors because that's who we are. And it's our job to bring about the will of God here on earth. It is not going to automatically happen. He has chosen to do it through us. Now we may think that was a really stupid decision. (laughs) And yet it's still his decision. You know, I'm sure if it was you and I, we wouldn't have done that. Because we know ourselves. 
And we think, really? But that is what God has chosen to do. See, even the devil couldn't come and wield his influence. He had to use the snake. And that's why the snake got busted, because he used to have legs, and now he has to slither on his belly. Because the devil doesn't even have authority here on earth. That's a lie he has sold. The only authority he has is what he can do through people. That's why he tempts you. If he had authority, don't you think he would just destroy the earth so that he could take as many people as he could to hell? Don't you think he'd do it right now before someone else gets saved? He can't. He actually can't do anything. That's why he comes and brings temptation to us. Because he actually can't make you do anything that is outside of your will. You have to choose to sin. And if you choose not to, then he is powerless. Is this making sense? It's amazing what a little bit of logic does then, that when you actually read what the word says. You see, we've been sold a lie. This is what Satan does. He's described as a thief, a destroyer, and a liar. And he sold us all these lies that we are powerless, that we are weak, that God will do whatever he wants, and that we are under the subjection of whatever Satan wants to do here on earth. It's not true. You and I are actually given authority. We have the power. Where's that power? It is in our tongue. Because the next thing Jesus says here in verse 23 is, I say to you, whoever says, not praise, whoever says. To this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever. What does whatever exclude? Nothing. You can have whatever he says. So how does this work? Basically like this. So if you know, what you say, what you believe. And does not doubt, this is interesting, in his heart, not in your mind, in your heart. You see, we've always thought it's in your mind. It's in your heart. You can believe in your heart and still be conflicted in your mind. You know, I believe that my family loves me, absolutely. But there are times that my family does things that I don't feel the love. You know, children mess up. Wife tells me off. Rarely, those ones. Don't want to get in more trouble. But there are times then, you know, my children will do things and it will upset me and it's not really feeling the love and you have to discipline them and there's conflict. Now in those times you think, gee, do they really love me? But I know in my heart they do. You see, the thing about faith is not is stepping out is you don't necessarily think I've got it all together. I've got it all worked out. When you step out in faith, you have to quiet the doubt. How do you quiet the doubt? The Word of God. You see, the more of this you put in, 
the more you control this and the more what is down in your spirit rises up. See, the best thing you can do when you have doubt is actually shut up. Because you can, you know, the next verse says the thing about praying. I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, you have them. So same thing, when you pray and when you say. Your prayers and your words have to agree. And if I'm praying, you know, Lord, I pray, heal my body, you know, I pray that my heart will be fine, and then I go around going, man, I can't believe so much heart disease in my family, you know, oh, gee, that puts me at risk, you know. And I go to my doctor, oh, I'm at risk of this, and I've undone my prayer. Because what I'm really saying is what's really in my heart. Does that make sense? Whereas I go to God and I pray, yeah, Lord, may my heart be strong. And then I walk around going, i got a strong heart. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Jesus took up all my infirmities and carried all my diseases. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed and made whole. That's four scripture verses, by the way, in case you're wondering. You see, you know them until they are deep down inside you. And if my, you know, I'm out there and, and I'm running or I'm playing with the kids or something and my heart starts beating fast like it does, they're the moments where you, your mind starts to go, oh, what's happening? And they're the times where you either shut up or you speak the word of God. Because if I start to speak, oh, maybe there's something wrong with my heart. Then my body will follow what I say. You just be quiet or you speak the word of God. And then you go along to the doctor and they'll confirm the word of God. That my heart is healthy and strong. It works the same in your finances. Do you sit there and pray, Lord, I pray you provide, I have these bills. You know, you said you provide all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I pray that you, you know, provide what I need to pay my power bill or my mortgage or whatever it is that you're struggling with. You know, issues with my car, Lord, I pray that you'll be able to get my car fixed. Or, and you pray it. And then you get up and you look at your bill and go, man, how am I going to pay this? What have you done? You're undoing your faith. You're undoing your prayers. You know, Jesus cursed the fig tree. He could look at it and go, oh, the tree's still green. Oh, well, that didn't work, did it? No. He, he spoke to the tree and then he just kept going like it was already done. And that's how you have to be. You speak over your finances. I speak over this bill, I speak over this mortgage, I speak over my debt, and I say, Dead, you are cancelled in the name of Jesus. Debt is a curse. You know, in 28. And Galatians 3 says that Jesus became a curse for us, so we are free from any curse. So you're free from the curse of debt. So you can speak to your debt and you say, I am a child of God. Debt, you are cancelled in the name of Jesus. And then you get a bill in the mail. You get a reminder notice. You get a phone call. You need to pay this now. And we start to worry and stress. No, don't worry and stress. That's where you go back to the Word of God. And the Word of God says, if you're going to say anything, say the Word of God. 
Word of God says that debt is a curse. And I am free from a curse because I'm a child of God. So my debts are paid in the name of Jesus. And you pay what you can and you let God take care of the rest. And then you start to speak blessing because he wants to bless you. He says if you're a giver, he will give to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. Will be poured into you. You're not in the overflowing stage yet. We need to get there. And Hebrews says, I will bless you so that you can bless. I'll multiply you so that you can multiply others. But I think too often we've got into the world system, we let fear in, we hear what's on the news and everything else, and you know, we get excited by the interest rate staying at 2%. We shouldn't be excited by the interest rate staying at 2%. Do we want it to go up? You do. You're going, what the heck are you talking about? Let me, let me throw this at you. If you have no debt, then a low interest rate doesn't affect you, right? But if you have wealth in the bank, you want a high interest rate. Because if it's high, you actually make more money on your money. See, we've got to change how we think. We think debt, not blessing. Some of you are struggling with that. That's okay. Let it sit. Let it work through. Because you're thinking, but my debt. No, that's the problem. It's not your debt. Jesus became a curse for you. Let's go there. Galatians chapter 3. Do we show you where it's. Do, to, do I need to show you that debt is a curse? Or are we okay with that bit? You sure now? Because I know we all get excited when we get a mortgage. <laughs> you ever notice that? The bank approves our loan. Yay! I'm in debt! Or do we say, oh, no, yay, my house, yay, my car. And then a week later we go, oh, I'm in debt. You know, the joy lasts, I reckon, about two weeks on average for a house or car. At which point the debt kicks in. (laughs) All right? So we're okay that debt's a curse? Are we okay with that? Actually says in Romans 13, oh, no one anything. Literal translation is keep out of debt. So is debt a sin? Look, I don't know, that's between you and God. You can work that out. Put it this way, it's not a blessing. All right? Are we okay so far? Galatians 3. So, debt is, Deuteronomy 28, if you want to be taking notes, Deuteronomy 28 lists blessings and curses. All right? In the blessings it says that you'll lend to, to many nations, but you will not borrow. All right? So that would say that having money to be able to give to others or lend to others is a blessing, right? It goes on the next bit and talks about the curses. And one of the curses in there that you will owe everybody, essentially. In fact, you'll even build your house owing money and someone else will live in it. All right? So it really is very clear that owing money is a curse. No one gets excited about owing money. 
Is there anyone different to that? Tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. So it's a curse. Let me read you from verse 10. For as many of the works of the law are under the curse, for it's written, Curses everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Okay? So by f- working out the law and trying to do everything in the thing actually doesn't justify you, because you're going to break it somewhere. All right? You're justified by what? Faith. And that's a whole other sermon. We won't go there. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the what? From the curse of the law, having become what? A curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus hung on a tree, didn't he? The cross is described as the tree. It's made of wood. So he became a curse for us. Christ has, and in doing that, he redeemed us from the curse of the law. And one of the curses of the law, Deuteronomy 28, is that. That the blessings of Abraham, and this is interesting, not the blessings of Jesus, but the blessings of Abraham. Now I'm going to stick my toe in this water because this is another hour. All right, but I'm going to stick my toe in there for about a minute. And you can do your research if you really want to know. The blessings of Jesus are spiritual. Right? Because he brought a spiritual deliverance. The blessings of Abraham were physical. Does that make sense? Think about it. Abraham did not deliver anybody. He, the blessing he bought was material wealth. Jesus bought spiritual wealth. And in Jesus you had a uniting of the two. That is why it says we are blessed by Jesus and we are blessed by Abraham. That we have the blessings of Jesus, of sonship to the Heavenly Father, but we also have the blessings through Abraham, which is material wealth. Does that make sense? That's a whole lot of unpacking that we don't have time to go there. All right? There's a lot of stuff in there that we can go through, but if you're really going, I'm not sure, go and look it up. All right? So, that, so Jesus redeemed us and brought us under the blessings of the Father that the blessing of Abraham might be upon us through Christ Jesus. So he united the two blessings in one. So when he talks about the blessings of Abraham, he's actually talking about physical blessing, physical good things, physical wealth. Because that was the blessing upon Abraham, that he would multiply him, that he would bless everything he put his hand to, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So Jesus not only became the curse for us and took our debt, he actually also gave us the wealth and riches blessing that was upon Abraham. Is we okay with this? Is this too much? Have I gone too high? Your enthusiasm is overwhelming. <laughs> the words of Bill Winston, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Amen. 
are we understanding this? That every blessing Abraham has, you have. Blessing, Abraham had such a large army of servants that he took out three kings. He was so wealthy that they had to keep, you know, he, he was so wealthy that, and his nephew was blessed at association with him that they had to separate because they couldn't sustain where they were. They had so much wealth. Abraham was extremely rich. You have that same wealth in you. But the power is, it's whether you believe it or not. And it's whether you will speak it over your life or not. Because you're under the covenant that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. You're under a new covenant. Like he made that covenant with Abraham. That covenant is yours. So God's plan is actually to bless you because he's worked out that if he blesses you, you can be a blessing to others. It's not so you can sit on your butt and watch TV all day and go, cool, everything's taken care of. It's so that you can actually be a blessing to other people. That you can take the blessing he gives you and be able to share that with others so that they may know Jesus. Not only does he want to pay off your mortgage, he wants you to pay off your neighbor's mortgage. So that you can share Jesus with them. Are we all right with this? I might just preach to these guys. I'll go this side of the room. All right. I'm going to leave it there. But I want you to walk out thinking about the words that you speak. Not just the prayers that you pray, but the words that you speak. What are you talking? If you're talking rubbish, stop it. Because you're actually cursing yourself. If you're saying, I'm lacking here, I've got this illness, I've got all that, stop saying that. Speak to your illness and say, Jesus took up all my infirmities, carried all my diseases, Matthew 8. 1 Peter 2.24 says that by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. So speak those things over your life. Take them in the morning, take them in the night. If you've got financial issues, speak over them. I have the blessing of Abraham on my life. And every debt curse is broken off my life. Now it may take time. It probably will take time for change to happen. Just because the tree still looks green and leafy doesn't mean something isn't happening. But the moment Jesus cursed that fig tree, that tree started dying up by the roots, not by the leaves. Trees don't die by the leaves. They die by the roots. So when you speak to your debt and you tell it it's cancelled, dissolved and gone in the name of Jesus, the angels go to work and they start working. It doesn't start your end, it starts at the dead end. And it comes back through and you're the last to know. But you knew from the start. Remember, Satan is a stealer. He will try and steal this word from you. He'll put pressure on you so that you do not believe it and say, I spoke to my dad and look, and now it's even getting worse. Because that's what he does. Oh, I feel sicker than I ever had before. When that starts to happen... Don't say a word, just pick up the word of God and start to speak that, start to read that. 
and he'll start to change your life. You're a child of God. I don't want my children sick. I don't want my children broke. How much better is a heavenly father? That he doesn't want his children sick. He doesn't want his children broke. He wants them blessed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you have blessed us, that you have made us your children, that we've chosen to walk with you. We're your children. I pray, pray, Father, your word will come alive to us. That we'll understand the power of our own words that you have given us. That we are here as your representatives to do your will. I pray, Holy Spirit, when we start to speak the wrong thing, that you will, you will just intervene and you will prompt us to change our words. That you'll challenge us at those times. That we will speak life and health, blessing and prosperity. Lord, we will speak good words. That you are glorified through our lives. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.